two FBI agents assigned to the same cases for different reasons. One a skeptic, one a believer. Bowler? Both trying to answer questions that were never meant to be uncovered. You've seen things that weren't to be seen. The X-Files, Friday on Fox. Don't watch it alone. truth is out there gut buckets this is big orange couch the 90s nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s nickelodeon my name's joey i'm andrew and i'm bureau chief blevins (laughs) (laughs) that's good um this is episode 209 this is top x files yeah long time coming this is stressful uh as we were just talking about very stressful (laughs) um yeah uh you chris um pointed out that you were gonna count multi-part episodes as um one pick and i hadn't even thought of that and that kind of threw everything well um, i'm sorry to throw into question i guess a little bit sorry to throw everything off with i mean it's it's good because i get to have like it's like i get to have more of what i want kind of uh but it also just made me question like the entire list i just can't think of those multi episodes multi-part episodes as like separate episodes like it's one story even if it takes a while yeah yeah yeah. (sighs) god i i feel terrible (laughs) about all this uh yeah, I mean, I don't know why this was... I mean, a list are generally stressful to make. You always feel like you're going to get it wrong. But in this case, I'm absolutely sure that, like, it's yeah. not right. And uh, it was just... An, it felt like an impossible challenge. Yeah, I'm definitely wrong. Like, my list is 100% wrong. There's just no doubt about <laughs> it. Uh, I was just going to say my list... Um... I feel like represents me finally at the end uh maybe more than like yeah. what's objectively Aww. the greatest yeah well, that's good yeah well i was just wondering if maybe we could start by just talking about how and when we got into this show because it's mm. not an alien yeah. show and um but it seems kind of connected to this nickelodeon business this nostalgia business at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the best TV uh, on at that time. No question about yeah, that. Yeah. So how'd you guys get into it? Um, I, uh, I, I don't, I think that I missed like the first year or so or two on the first time around. Like I didn't catch, start watching it until maybe third ish season. Um, but, uh, you know, I remember my parents like, getting into it and talking about it and finally i just like caught an episode and it freaked me out but 
it was so like interesting and weird and different i was like uh pretty hooked from then on um but how old are you probably once it was on uh it must have maybe like eight i think i think that's about right um that age ish uh i feel like once it was on sundays especially eventually um like I watched every episode from that point on. Um, yeah, I want to say, Andrew, did you have a, a VHS tape with like a few select episodes? We may have. I don't. I don't specifically remember now. Because I feel like maybe I, f- I feel like maybe you let me borrow one. Because one of the first episodes I remember seeing was mm-hmm. Eve, which mm. is I don't. The only context I can put it in is I thought I had it on a VHS tape, and I usually I was borrowing that type of stuff from you. Um, but I mean, I, I could be off. I'm I'm sure the introduction came through you somehow. But I also know that my parents were like casual watchers; they weren't super into it. But it was on on Sunday nights. It felt like mm-hmm. an event. Um, and so I think I was mostly watching and they just had it on because it was like, oh, on Sunday nights you turn on Fox. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of memories of like watching it almost through my parent bedroom, my parents' bedroom door, like just sitting in the frame of the door watching it. Um, and I would say I probably, I, yeah, I probably missed the cup first. I, I know by season four, I was fully like I was watching every week. That is, that's my most concrete memory because that's when home is. And I mm, knew at that yeah, point yeah. I was like fully in. Um, so I, I probably would, I probably picked up around season three and probably legit missed the first two seasons, but you know, no looking back since then. <laughs> Chris, what about you? Yeah, I almost missed all of it the first time around. Um, but I think the, the way that you put that Joey feels like my experience too, that like, and I, I imagine listeners experiences who maybe didn't revisit it in the way that I did where it's like, it's Sunday, it's Fox, it's on. Like, that's what people had on TV (laughs) on Sunday nights. And uh, so I caught episodes like that. I didn't know you guys at this point, and I didn't know any adults that were into it. Um, So I would, like, at people's houses, um, or maybe, like, occasionally, like, I would catch the end of an episode. But, I mean, I probably saw 10 episodes as like a true kid, but those made an impression on me. And I felt like really did partially form at least my like unconscious, you know, like, cause they do, especially as a kid that there are images from this series that like burn into your brain. And even more than just being images that burn into your brain, they kind of like shape my imagination in some way. Um, And then revisiting it later, it was like, like going to therapy and like, you know, a therapist, like, pulling like a memory out of you you know like oh i didn't even like consciously register that that happened it's like oh i saw that episode again it's like oh i do remember those killer bees uh you know that kind of stuff uh yeah yeah and as an adult going back because i i i'd say i have like a re a bi-annual rewatch like every two years i kind of start digging back through and it's so funny because as a kid it's like those those oddities and those images that really stick with you and haunt you. And, you know, it's really fun. And then as an adult, I find myself deeply relating to Scully and Mulder's 
swing between skepticism and you mm. know belief and you know uh obviously um Mulder's deep mistrust of the government and how that plays so it's a show that certainly i think has been rewarding both as a kid and as adult which it feels pretty exciting yeah um yeah i was thinking about just like the quality of this type of show too and i feel like uh twin peaks came out right before this which was like almost mm-hmm. you know like similar in ways uh but this feels like the first big like um i don't know leap forward in like uh the quality of the show uh the filming and the effects um like seeing this for the first time was at that time was like it was very different from anything else yeah it was miles ahead yeah 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 and like you you were saying chris it does feel like it shaped my personality in some way. I season four, which again is the one I distinctly remember jumping on for was during 1997. I want to say and this is right around the same time as um, heaven, heaven's gate cult, which are mm-hmm. both things that like, I've not been able to shake. Like uh, I I'm like deeply interested in that like moment and that, that time in the nineties um, beyond Nickelodeon. At this point, I think I'd pretty much tuned out of Nickelodeon. I was really probably transitioning to this type of stuff. And uh, I think it's definitely, um, I don't know. I, I, I definitely feel like I'm weirder than the people I work with. And this probably has like its roots in 1997. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I feel like a kind of combination of where Joey and Andrew are coming from, like Joey with the sense. Uh, well, I think that I forgot if, if Andrew said this, but, but this idea of like the, the balance of like faith and skepticism as being a kind of animating, like epistemological recurrence in my brain. And then also these like more image based things that kind of helped shape my imagination. Mm. If, if you'll, yeah. uh, so, so I was trying to think when I, I was having some like real crises about just what this list even is supposed to represent. So I, I wrote down all the things that I liked mm. about all the things like I saw in the show. And so just some adjectives. So mysterious, scary, funny, thought provoking, sexy, spooky, zany, <laughs> thrilling, daring. Those are like my list of adjectives that like I I find those things in these episodes. Some of them, some episodes, rare episodes have all of these. Some are heavier in others. Yeah. But then I try to boil it down to like what I think for me personally keeps me coming back because I I hibernate to it almost, you know, every two years, like, like Joey was saying. Um, yeah. Especially like since I didn't love it as a kid, I just, but it like feels like it's part of my, childhood even though i didn't watch all of this as a child so it comes back to this other thing that i've always been kind of uh fascinated by in like literature and poetry this this thing that john keats calls negative capability so i i i got the quote here because i remember reading about this and as an undergrad and being like this is a really great thing that i've never had a language for and this is exactly what the x-files is to me um so negative capability for Keats is this like 
way of coming to the truth other than through science or logic. It's this like third way. And so the way is by being capable of being in uncertainty. Okay, this is the quote. Quote, being capable of being in uncertainties, mysteries, doubts, without any irritable reaching after fact and reason. So this isn't what the characters do, but I feel feel like it's what the show does. Like that even though Mulder and Scully are kind of obsessed with the truth, the show itself isn't obsessed with the truth. And that's what I really love about it. Like it, it it's obsessed with like sitting in this tension between like what is real, what is not real, what is true, what is not true. Um, and no show uh, yeah. does a better job at that. Yeah, that's I mean that's so well said. And and um it it does that and I think it does what a lot of shows can't pull off. And you mentioned the word, but it it does all that stuff. It's like profoundly deep and it's funny. Like I there's not an episode where I'm not like cracking up more than like some straight up sitcoms. Um and I think that's such a hard balance and it's what makes the show a little easier to digest in a lot of cases. Sure. Can I ask? Um, and I, I guess, I guess you don't have to answer if it's on your list, but I found that I had favorite episodes uh, for Chris, maybe when you first experienced or Andrew from when you were a kid that were your favorites that have since kind of like, you know, uh, taken a back seat, but that ones you really loved if it's on your list, I guess you don't have to mention it, but like, I'll start like for me, it's um, the episode Arcadia. Yeah. It's great. I was obsessed mm. with that episode when I was a kid, you know, they, it's like a Stepford wives kind of take, uh, they moved to this perfect neighborhood Mulder and Scully, Scully pretend to be married. I was, I, that was like for Joey as a kid. I, I don't know. That episode was so alluring. Did you guys have any episodes like that? Um, I'll just say that uh, Arcadia was very close to making my list uh, this time. It didn't, <laughs> yeah, quite. But yeah. Uh, that I, I did um, love it more, like five years ago or whatever, when I last watched the whole series. Um, but rewatching it, um, you know, I felt it felt a little bit simpler, maybe than I was mm-hmm. remembering. That was maybe yeah. its biggest flaw, I thought. But uh, that. So I had that. Um, I'm not totally sure I have any others that have changed. Okay. My number one example of this made my list, so I won't uh, give. Okay. Up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a huge tension. Hmm. Um. You know what? Uh. One episode that like was a big deal at the time that kind of changed for me is home i mean you guys might uh, excuse me if it's on your list but um i uh you know like at the time it was this like the most crazy grotesque thing ever and it's um it's it's still sort of like that but it just doesn't um hit me as hard now i guess as it did at the time Mm -hmm. yeah i know i mean i know what you mean there are certainly episodes like that um, I think of like the host with uh, what's it the fl- fl- Flukerman. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, that's a good example. And I, Chris, when you were when you were, I remember when you were going through your original uh, watch. I think I came over when you were doing like your first run through it, and the episode that was on was um, the Jersey Devil, 
And that's just mm. like a great example of like, <laughs> I don't know, like you can get sucked into X-Files, but there still are these like episodes that are kind of uh, <laughs> duds, even though they're still yeah, really fun. Yeah. They're fun. For sure. Um, I'd say the Jersey Devil is one of like few true duds. <laughs> wow. True dud. Um I mean, I yeah, like there's that. something I like about it. I think it's kind of dumb, the concept, but like the way the episode plays out, I kind of like, I don't know. Um, I'm very interested to hear you guys Ferguson's because um, I'm <laughs> oh, there's totally only prepared. Um, I agree, but <laughs> we'll see if we agree. My, my other prediction is that we will only have one episode shared on all three of our lists. Mm, I'll be surprised if we even have that. I agree. No, I, th- I think we'll have that. I know which one it is. Yeah, I, well, I I would think so, but we'll we'll find out. So the the um how we decided to do this, we're going our top six X Files. Uh, we're doing, of course, our close call in our Ferguson, and then Chris, you ingeniously uh, recommended that we do a guilty pleasure, which there are bountiful <laughs> amounts uh, for X Files. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Good idea. Yeah, I I kind of regret suggesting that at the end because really that's kind of my relationship to most of the ones on my list is like i don't necessarily think that they're good i just like love them hmm. yeah good i like the sound of that yeah i do too i do too um okay well andrew shall we jump into our favorite X- oh i should say if anybody wants to check these out uh that it's currently streaming on hulu so if you've never watched x files you know these are just some of the episodes that might be fun to check out. You go to Hulu or, you know, buy them on Amazon or whatever. All right. You want to kick it off, Andrew? Sure. Um, this was number six was made probably the hardest choice for me. This final slot, like what mm-hmm. I was going to give it to. And I finally decided on this choice because it was my, I, as far as I remember, my very first uh, like exposure to the show and this had some stuff in it that just stuck with me. Um, and that is the Anasazi, uh, the Blessing Way and Paperclip um, yes. trilogy. Wow. Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really took, uh, you know, took Chris's advice. Um, I this uh especially this first anasazi episode like i remember watching that that was like the first full x-files i saw um i believe it was new at the time and it just like freaked me out um just to recap a little bit uh Mulder finds this like digital tape that has supposedly all this government secrets uh, stored on it but when they try to look at it it's uh, encrypted in this weird language um and this first episode is Mulder just like going full on paranoid uh and I just love it so much um he thinks like everybody's out to get him including Scully at one point um and he ends up getting involved with these Native Americans that like know something about what happened and they take him to this train car and he gets um he ends up getting stuck in there and then supposedly blown up by this the cigarette smoking man um (laughs) but he sees like these 
figure, these like uh, mummified bodies that look like aliens. And those, like, when I saw those for the first time, I was just like really uh, creepy. Yeah, that's one of those um, image. That's one of those imageries that totally sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, just to mention it while while I'm talking about this one, um, part of Mulder's like freaking out at Scully at one point has one of my best, my favorite Mulder lines from the entire series. It's just so over the top. Um, he's like. He confronts Scully like, you're just here to look, keep track of what I'm doing. Taking your little notes? <laughs> he does it so incredibly <laughs> crazy it's it's so good um and then the blessing way uh Mulder has survived the explosion and the native americans are sending him into this like um dream state where he's kind of deciding subconsciously like whether he's going to live or die and mm. um it kind of like just combines the maybe for the first time, like really combines the conspiracy with the spirituality side and just kind of like exploring yes. the connections between those. Um, I really love that. Uh, and then uh paperclip is um, this, best uh, of the three. Best of the three. Should, should be said that um, this is like, uh, it, it crosses over seasons, so it goes season yeah. two, and then the other two are the start of season three. It seems like they know they're cooking with fire here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so paperclip, they uh, Scully and Mulder. Mulder ends up showing back up at his apartment, and in this episode, like one thing I really love is um, Skinner kind of really solidifying his uh, shift from. Like mm. against them or like more for the government to on their side for sure um pretty dramatically um so they end up in this warehouse where they find all these records and like basically find out there's this scheme to uh create alien human hybrids um and this is all detailed on the disc and so the cigarette smoking man is trying to get rid of that disc um, but in the end, um, Skinner ends up teaching or like passing down the information to the, uh, elder Native American who tells it to 20 other Native Americans. So they have spread this information, um, so you can't destroy it anymore. Um, and this final like confrontation between, uh, Skinner and the Smoking Man uh, is really good. Skinner's got like a good, uh, you know, line against him. 
Um, so uh, this, uh, I feel like these episodes kind of are the peak for me of the mythology arc. Like if, and I think the reason upon rewatching these is because um, they simultaneously give you like a ton of answers to stuff, but the all the answers are like just lead to more questions. So it's like at the same time it's um, satisfying to get those answers, but then like also you're wondering what where all this leads now. Um, so I think these are just. It, for me, they just like they hit, they give me everything I want in the mythology episodes, like with the conspiracy, and um, also you get Crycheck in these episodes a little bit. <laughs> well, thank God you mentioned Crycheck because I was worried you were. He's kind of the the one of the keys here. He does three things that you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. One, he's the the reason Mulder is going insane is that. He's been poisoning Mulder's water, which is uh, just such a cry check move. Um, and then he kills Mulder's dad, or who we think is Mulder's yes, dad. Yeah. And then he kills okay. Scully's sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, Crycheck's kind of at the center. The, these uh, these three episodes, you could definitely argue, are the kind of apex of the, of the mythology. We get all the good characters. Here's where Skinner really becomes daddy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You get a lot of like sweaty, sweaty Skinner, you know, just trying to like figure out, you know, who to say no to. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's nothing more quintessentially X-Files, maybe no two words more quintessentially X-Files as digital tape. It's like perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's poetry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love... I, uh, I'm, as I'll talk about, I'm, I'm a little less into the like origin arch mythology, but, um, these are undeniably like some of the, if you're going to like get into that, these are, I would agree, like the apex of X-Files with maybe some stuff towards the end of Duchovny's run also up there, but, um, yeah, great, great trilogy really memorable imagery I, I to me a paper uh, paper clips is good but those first two are just bangers uh where he, when he's out in the desert yeah, yeah um, i love the look of wherever they filmed this um, yeah looks so really cool. great. yeah so great pick uh won't they filmed won't, it won't appear on, i think won't appear on, my on location ah um yeah in, i don't think right, they're, they're, they i think they are where they say they are which is yeah, it doesn't north, look like basically Vancouver. northwestern New Mexico. Like there's a ah. there's a huge Navajo. I mean Navajo Nation is like takes up northwest New Mexico, north, northwest New Mexico into Arizona. There, yeah. um, like it's a pretty big piece of land, and I think they're in Farmington or outside of Farmington. Um, speaking of that, did this show have any influence on you moving to New Mexico? I definitely would have to admit that there is something there i don't know to what degree i could say but i think i would be lying to myself if i if there wasn't some of it like that i mean this isn't going to be on any of our list but of course like the where the series ends is in new mexico and new mexico kind of becomes like the the closest to this like central locus of truth in the universe 
as any place. Well, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it has to be subconsciously there. You just Chris had to be near Area Fifty One. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> well, Area Fifty One's in Nevada, but yeah. I just meant region wise. Yeah. Um, Chris, you want to yeah. give us your number six? Yeah, my number six um, is the pilot. Oh, I I was going to have this as my close call um, just because I felt like it had to be somewhere on the list because it is so good. It's so solid. I think that it's helpful for anyone who hasn't watched the show that they could just start with the first episode. And I think it's really... um, you know, saw in a lot of ways. It 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 touches on, um, I, and I've watched it a million times because I've revisited the series a million times. So I'm always like going into the pilot with like, I'm excited to see it. Sorry, nobody down here, but the FBI is most unwanted. Major Mulder, I'm Dana Scully. I've been assigned to work with you. Oh, isn't it nice to be suddenly so highly regarded? So who did you take off to get stuck with this detail, Scully? Actually, I'm looking forward to working with you. I've heard a lot about you. Oh, really? I was under the impression that you were sent to spy on me. If you have any doubt about my qualifications or credentials... You're a medical doctor. You teach at the academy. You did your undergraduate degree in physics. Einstein's twin paradox, a new interpretation. Dana Scully's senior thesis. Now, that's a credential, rewriting Einstein. Did you bother to read it? I did. I liked it. It's just that amongst my work, the laws of physics rarely seem to apply. So, like, the, the, um, from, from the first episode, the chemistry between Mulder and Scully is good. We get the introduction to a character... To two characters who seem minor but end up lasting most of the series, if not all the series, in Billy Miles, who is in he's the kind of main care or main kind of focus of of the pilot, and then lasts all the way. I don't know if he I don't know what I don't even remember what happens to him, but he's a an alien super soldier in the later seasons when the mythology is just kind of out of control. So um that's cool. And uh, Smoking Man is even in this first episode, and he was initially ca- cast as an extra. Like he he auditioned oh. for a bigger part and got just cast as an extra. Uh, he says zero of his four audible words that he says in the f- whole first season. He only says four words in the whole first season. <laughs> None of them are in this first episode, but he is in the first episode. <laughs> um, just a good story, you know. We've got the you know, lost time stuff, which is always like a, you know, it's like an archetypal kind of move for, uh, for alien stuff that I feel like always works well. Um, good pacing, good writing, good directing. I love Blevins as, as kind of the, a great kind of shitty bureaucrat guy, um, sets the tone really well. Um, yeah. Love the pilot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pick. Great pick. Yeah, great name yeah, too. Very good. It's like a Pete and Pete name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this pilot is like 
it's a great episode and it's a really great pilot. It's like, um, you know, I, was, I kind of p- was picking it apart. Um, just, just thinking like, what would somebody, an executive seeing this, like, what would they see out of it? And it just seems like they touch on every major theme of the show in this episode somehow, like, and wrap it all together in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of my, maybe my only pick that was like purely intellectual. Like I just couldn't not have it on the list because I just think it's such an accomplishment. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm, 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 I'm happy it's, it's there because it it is a a great start to the series and pretty much gives you what you need to go on the journey yeah um all right uh well my list i'm sure not to your guys surprise is pretty like i'm sure most diehard fans would call my list kind of basic uh you know i think i think the one thing is if you've never watched x files my list would be like a good a good template of like you could jump in without needing to know much um, you know, there in X Files, there's pretty much what's called Monster of the Week episodes and mythology episodes, and I definitely tended towards Monster of the Week. It just kind of fits my personality, and um, so I, I like those ones. This number six pick made my list about 20 minutes before we started recording, which is how I know my list is just a disaster. Um, which is a season six episode two, uh, an episode called Drive. Uh, <laughs> which is written by Vince Gilligan sure, sure. and directed by Rob uh, Bowman. Mulder becomes trapped in a car by an apparently deranged man played by Brian Cranston um, as Scully tries to determine the cause of his illness. And pretty much this is, uh, you know, Cranston plays a man who pretty much needs the car to headed, head in a westward direction at a high speed of velocity in order for his head not to hurt and Mulder is the trap driver. Um, and this is where, this is infam- infamously the episode where Gilligan meets Brian Cranston, which will spawn, you know, the anti-hero series of uh, Breaking Bad. Um, I think Cranston is just so good here. He plays Mr. Crump. Um, Mulder, uh, who is always skeptical of the government that employs him, uh, is put face to face with like a real person who's dying as a result of the mistakes of the government. So there's like this simmering tension throughout the episode. Um, I think Cranston is the perfect companion for Mulder. And um, it's a really funny episode as well. It's like high intensity, but throughout uh, Duchovny just gets to rattle off like nonstop great one liners. Um, there's like quarantine, which feels timely. Uh, there's this night nighttime camper scene where they're like trying to figure out where the origin of whatever's causing um, the thing that's happening to Brian Cranston and the thing that had happened to his wife um, where they're kind of going through the campers and it's kind of like spooky and eerie and sci-fi-ish so this episode has like a lot of elements I think a lot of stuff you'll see in Breaking Bad with Gilligan and his writing style Um, the ending's pretty devastating um, but it's just a high octane episode it's really contained. I love contained episodes. Um, so, love Drive. Yeah. Uh, it's a great one. Um, I think uh, that idea is just so good. It's like, it 
writes itself practically it seems like um just yeah yeah uh, really fast-paced um brian cranston's great uh yeah and it freaks me out just thinking about your head exploding um <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know yeah <laughs> and that pain that he seems to be feeling from it uh uh, yeah, his performance yeah. is off the charts. How about if uh, we just pull over and let me out, too? Huh? I must be cramping your style. Just sh shut up. Shoot people. Figures. What figures? Shut up. Hey! No! Ah! That is so stupid, Crump. That is Shut so up! stupid. Shut up and drive. You understand? Yeah, it's one of the best performances for sure. I, I, it was in my consideration. I figured it would be on your list, Joey. So that helped nudge it off, uh, just for the sake of diversity. My. If I were to critique it in any way, and that's not even a fair critique, is that it's like almost too, not even dependent, but like too good because of how good Brian Cranston is. Like I thought about this, this kind of category of episode. Another one that fits it for me is Beyond the Sea uh, in the first season where like the acting of one, of one, one acting performance is just so engrossing that it's almost like all I even look at in the in the episode um but i mean this is a better episode than than beyond the sea yeah there there are three episodes so beyond the sea with a brad dorf uh this episode with cranston and i think paper hearts with tom noonan mm -hmm. where the performance mm -hmm. is just mm -hmm. like it just insanely good uh so i think that's a fair critique for sure softest of critiques yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. A feather <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys will feel about this one, but I picked <laughs> the postmodern Prometheus. Ah. Um, this is the episode. It's in black and what? You knew it? Yep. As Bixlerian <laughs> as uh, the X-Files gets, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think it was going to make my list at first, but re-watching it, I was like just had to i love so much about it the black and white um filming um basically they find out that they scully and Mulder come to this town to uh investigate this sightings of this weird monster that's apparently impregnating women in this town and um but it's like a uh that when they get to the town everybody's like very weird and um it's uh more like a lighthearted episode for the most part um but they run into they finally discover there is this monster the great mutato i think what we're seeing here is is an example of, of a culture for whom daytime talk shows and tabloid headlines have, have become a reality against which they measure their lives a culture so so obsessed by the media and a chance for self-dramatization that they'll do anything in order to gain a spotlight. I'm alarmed that you would reduce these people to a cultural stereotype. Not everybody's dream is to get on Jerry Springer. Psychologists often speak of the denial of an unthinkable evil or a misplacement of shared fears. 
Anxiety is taking the form of, of a hideous monster for whom the most terrific human attributes can be ascribed. You know, what, what we can possibly imagine ourselves capable of, we can blame on, on the ogre, on the hunchback, on the lowly half-breed. <clears throat> Common sense alone will tell you that these legends, these unverified rumors, are ridiculous. But nonetheless unverifiable, and therefore true in the sense that they're believed to be true. Is there anything that you don't believe in, Mulder? sound it's the great mutato and um they <laughs> find the town finally goes after the monster and scully and Mulder kind of save him and um they eventually like arrest him basically um but the but like the what really makes this episode great is how all the pieces of it are put together um like there's these every time that mutato shows up he's singing share and uh, like there's yes. this whole share storyline in here um that just like feels really good um it's just like one of those episodes where i feel like all these like disparate ideas that shouldn't connect all kind of like meld together in this really uh, satisfying way um and especially the end of this episode, I really love uh, when the Mutato finally gets caught, but he, like, turns out that he's, um, you know, like a regular person underneath his uh, deformities, and he's just kind of trying to figure out how to live his life. Um, and they finally end up in this kind of, like, dream sequence share concert that's... Uh, <laughs> Whoa, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, this episode just, like, I, I love the feel of it. Even though it, like, seems like it maybe takes place during Christmas, it feels like, a, for me, maybe the definitive Halloween episode. Um, it uh, also has this, like, feel of uh, old monster movies and comic books. Like, all these things, like, just mash together in this really interesting way. Um, so... Yeah, I just couldn't not include it. Like, I, as I thought about the series and was going all over all these episodes, this one just kept popping into my head. It's like just so um, distinct in so many ways. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's like a black and white Frankenstein meets yeah. share musical. It's it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> and it's totally X Files. You know, it's it's you yeah. could tell this is when they're like, they definitely have their stride and they're just feeling themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like going for it. It's the it's the sports equivalent of like Steph Curry pulling up from half court confidently and like sinking a shot. It's like not really (laughs) it's it's a perfect episode. It's a heat check episode. Like this is exactly in the in the stride of the series. Um it's almost an anti episode. Like it is I think pretty deliberately not a normal X Files episode. Um, yeah. Not just because it's funny, because there are other funny episodes, um, but it it, it it reminds me a lot of another episode that I know will be on Andrew's list, and uh, I'm guessing it'll be on Joey's list as well. Um, just in terms of it's like, mm-hmm. and it feels like Andrew, Andrew-y to me because of its interest in its own reading, you know, like it's interested in genre, it, like 
it it's interested in structure it's interested in like combing through all the all, all of its influences um and but i feel like ultimately it's also interested in subversion it's trying to do something different mm-hmm. that i mean i love this episode my reason for keeping it off i'm just going to give you my reason because i'm going to love all yeah. of your guys' episodes my reason for keeping it off is because to me it still felt like like a, an anti-episode you know like yeah. in a really good way in like a absolutely perfectly executed way but uh and, and, and in a way that does come around to still be kind of core x-files like you're arguing andrew um anyway yeah i love it yeah i i didn't think it would make yours um but uh yeah i don't i just couldn't deny it just could not deny it um i'm glad it needs to be on one of our list yeah, yeah no yeah for sure i it and Chris Carter wrote this episode and, you know, I think yeah. on the surface you would guess Darren Morgan or Vince Gilligan because Carter tended yeah. to hedge towards the serious and hedge towards the arc. But um, this is like the best of him kind of letting loose because um, I think as the series goes, he loses it a little bit. So this might be like his peak. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh yeah, uh, the, the other quick thing about about uh, postmodern Prometheus is, of course, that uh, um, Cher was originally they tried to cast Cher as yeah. the as the uh, in the episode, and then Roseanne, and and uh, both of them turned it down. Um, <laughs> just I uh, forgot about that. Um, X Files is absolutely great at not wasting a single character. And when it's really hitting its stride, like every character, no matter how minor they are, they are like perfect and they are like memorable. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. So my number five is the is the least uh, objectively good, um, and it's it's an arc. So most of the rest of my list are more, more about like story arcs, and this is this one I'm calling the Gibson Praise Anthology. So um, that's the end, oh. uh, season five, episode twenty. The beginning, season six, episode one, within season eight, episode one, without season eight, episode two, and then uh, he he has one more episode, oh which is Lord. the final episode of the of the main series, the truth, uh, season ten, episodes nineteen and twenty. But I'm not oh counting those. Um, <laughs> I'm not counting those because the, everyone hates them; they're terrible. But the the only good thing about late x-files uh mythology post end of syndicate is gibson praise great character um kind of going back to the to one of the most tried and true methods of 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 drawing i think the audience into the mythology is by giving Mulder a character that he can really empathize with and really love um he i think the show does that really earlier with a different character but here Gibson praise is like it starts off as this like eight year old um, chess prodigy who can read minds uh, because he has uh, he's has alien DNA that has somehow turned on his dormant genes that the that the rest of humankind you know genes that have been recognized as dormant in our DNA but um, his are turned on um, and so as as the failed um assassin says to Mulder in his jail cell uh from his jail cell 
the kid is the missing link. So this is the show's silver bullet in in the late in the later seasons. I think they fumbled it a little bit, um, but trying to come up with one character who can kind of revive the mythology and make it compelling um, and do something a little bit different. But really, I love this because I love the actor. I think that the kid is like a genuinely convincing nerdy kid. I love that he is this genius who is really not a genius because he can just read people's minds, but he also has a kind of emotional intelligence and empathy because of that. That feels like really human for someone who would have this kind of quality and they do a really good job of making his life miserable. You know, he lives a miserable life. Um, He's not special. His, his, uh, his skills um, don't make him, uh, you know, someone to envy. He's instead, not only is he kind of fought over between, you know, Mulder and Scully and, and the syndicate, he's basically tortured by the syndicate and, and used as like a, a tool and at the same time is still you know a kid who loves watching cartoons the first episode the end i think would be the episode i'd focus on here where we're introduced to gibson praise and you know all he wants to do is watch the simpsons and king of the hill great fox moments of like showing segments of these shows uh and and showing him watching tv kind of feels a little postmodern prometheusy there um we also get in this kind of arc uh Mulder's x-flame uh, the forgettably named Diane Fowley. Um, we get the lone gunman, which everyone always loves to see. We get uh, the tension between Crycheck and Smoking Man, which is what we've, what what has always seemed logical, where Crycheck almost kills the Smoking Man twice, uh, and and kind of chickens out in both attempts because again here we really see Crycheck, who's probably my favorite character. Uh, his motives laid bare that, like, as, as Mulder has always called it, like, all he cares about is his own survival. And he's really good at, at like, showing restraint when his own survival and his own, like, people need him uh, is, is, uh, is kind of comes into play. Uh, we also get the ultimate dweeb of the show, Jeffrey Spender, the most punchable face on the show without a doubt. Um, and, and we quickly learn that he is... Uh, he is uh, the, the Smoking Man's son, uh, CGB Spender, Smoking Man. Um, we get the X-Files shut down and burned down. I think that the end really could have been, at the end of Season 5, a good end to the series. Uh, I kind of like the idea of the series kind of ending with Mulder's failure and then burning down the, the you know, mm. all of the files right. and burning down the, the X-Files kind of area. I think that that fits the tone of the show um also the the end it was the last episode shot in, shot in vancouver which seems like another kind of real ending because that, that that kind of industrial vancouver setting is kind of as much a part of the first five seasons as anything uh mm-hmm. so in a way i just couldn't leave this off my list i know that the, this story kind of gets out of control but especially the end season five episode 20 is just such a fitting end to me for the stuff that I love about the show and like a beginning to all the stuff that mythology wise just seems like ridiculous. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I like that you picked this arc. Um, I do agree that uh, Gibson is 
a great character. Um, I The only quibble I have about you wanting to end the show there is that I love season six so much that I wouldn't want to not have it. I agree. <laughs> but just as like a last episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, you could almost like count the X-Files movie, the first one in there. Um, and there's some good like uh, just shots during these episodes, um, if I'm remembering them correctly. Um, now I can't remember. Is this the bees? Oh, you're remembering correctly. <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of Colony. Oh, okay. Well. Season three. My bad. My bad. Which which didn't make my list, but like I could have very easily and maybe should have put Colony. I think it's the better episode um, here, mm-hmm. but Colony is more about Mulder's sister, whereas like I'd much rather watch that little nerdy Gibson kid um, than yeah, yeah. like the clones of Mulder's sister. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it, you're definitely right that it's like the strongest part about the later seasons um and you know they did and i think they used him utilized him in an interesting way and kind of uh yeah i don't know, I don't know. joe any thoughts on no, this I, uh you know i just it's not my it's not my x-files jam if you will if like mm. you know if i'm uh it's 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 fine. I just like you know. I generally will skip these episodes. It's a little too complex for you. I get it. Wait, <laughs> as we established on Rocket Power, it's very easy for things to go over my head. A little over your head. <laughs> Way <laughs> over my head. Um, no, I mean it's it's fine. It's fine. You know, but just definitively not uh, at this point in my life what I'm going back to watch. Do you think that Diana Folly uh, would have been a good partner for Mulder? Like a good life partner? Uh, no, no. I I yeah, I like I, I like Mul- I like Mulder the Lone Wolf. <laughs> uh, you know, I, he doesn't need it. I mean, for anyone who doesn't watch it, Californication is just a sequel to the X Files. Like everything about the company in Californication has was already done or implied, like heavily implied in the X Files. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Something to chew on. Um, well, my my number five aired one episode before the end. Uh, it's season five, episode nineteen, and that is an episode named Folly Adieu. Um, this is Mm -hmm. an episode written by Vince Gilligan, directed by Kim Manners, what I would call the dream team, the X-Files dream team. Um, this episode is, uh, well, so the description here is Scully and Mulder meet a delusional man who is convinced his boss is a monster and is willing to prove it more, more specifically, this guy works at a telemarketing company. Um, he believes his boss is an insect sucking the souls out of other employees in the office and turning them into pretty much like zombies. Um, and he goes freaking insane. 
the episode is to me like pretty haunting. Uh, I think it's perhaps one of the better like commentaries that X Files attempts on like capitalism and labor. And uh, this is pre- this is America pre mass shootings, um, so it definitely deals with that aspect of like the violent, angry uh, employee. But Folly Adu is also, it's French for, like, a, a madness shared by two people. Um, so the idea being that, like, um, you know, some, two people experiencing something they feel is insane, but also very real to them. Um, you know, the concept here is that this insect is also then eventually seen by Mulder and by Scully, and so then they're questioning, you know, everything uh that's only like the halfway point of the episode it kind of escalates in its craziness as it continues on um i yeah i just this is a very it's like a simmering episode it's not very funny it's very visceral but it's not very funny and it's uh pretty intense throughout um you know a little trivia here i was looking at the the bug costume they had like big reservations about the bug costume um and i I remember uh, the person who said they edited the episode said they were editing like up until like an hour before the episode aired. Um, And they eventually put this like effect on the bug where it makes it look like really blurry and like it's moving insanely fast so that you couldn't see the costume, which ends up, I think, being like a huge victory because it's such a cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the coolest effects, I think, just in the series um that uh, very unnerving yeah uh vince gilligan says this is one of his favorite episodes um and this was also the last standalone episode to be filmed in vancouver before they moved to la Uh, so just a little trivia there about folly i do very interesting well you kind of stole Uh, my trivia thing that was the real trivia fact by inserting your little qualifier there what's that because I said the same thing about the end, which is the last episode. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, monster of the week. Yeah, monster of the week. Um, yeah, very, very cool episode. Uh, you failed to mention also, also that uh, something I'm sure uh, had to do with your picking this is that uh, Fully Ado is also a name of a, a Fallout Boy album. no in fact if anything that like really uh it makes me weary of i feel like it had made me weary of it i assume they named the album after the episode but um maybe yeah i don't know (laughs) a lot of music history i mean eve six comes from an x-files episode yeah yeah fully ado fallout boy album yeah do you like this episode chris yeah, I love it. It was in uh, consideration to be uh, in consideration. It's. I think it's one of the more intense episodes to me. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Agreed. It's pretty. It's pretty unrelenting. Yeah, and that I think uh, just the uh, setting of the office um, adds to the paranoia in some sense. Yeah. And you know, you know how you know it's great. Um, there's a scene where Mulder's in the hospital, and it's literally a scene about whether the window to the hospital room will be open or not. 
and it's like insanely intense. The nurse cracks the window and you're like grabbing your hair because you're like, no, don't open the window. Uh, yeah, it's just like a, it's just packed with intensity. It's a really fun one. All right. You ready for number four? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I <laughs> these three and four were kind of tough for me to pick the order, but I finally decided the unnatural. Wow. Uh, yeah, I have always loved this one. Um, it's uh about it, it's like around Roswell time. Um, it's about a uh, black baseball team being, and especially one player that's like. Uh, maybe going to get a chance to go to the majors um, getting um, uh, attacked by the KKK. So this white cop like decides that he'll stay with them on the bus in case anybody comes after them. Um, And this is all being told as like a flashback story by this old guy who uh, was the brother of another agent at uh, the FBI. So he's telling Mulder this story. So some of the um, facts are like, it's kind of, it's sort of up in the air, like what's true and what's not a little bit. Um, and uh, about halfway through this trip, the cop discovers that the baseball player is actually an alien. And it sounds not <laughs> as uh, impactful when I say it, but it's like, kind of like his love for playing this game um, allows him to like transform to look human. Um, And uh, there's just like a lot of great effects in this episode. Um, I I guess I won't spoil the very ending of this one, but it's like a really great um, kind of like emotional ending, um, both the story that he tells and between uh, Mulder and Scully in the very end, they just have like a moment. So, uh, I get this message marked urgent on my answering service from one Fox Mantle telling me to come down to the park for a very special, very early or very late birthday present. And Mulder, I don't see any nicely wrapped presents lying around, so what gives? You never hit a baseball, have you, Scully? No, I guess I have uh, found more necessary things to do with my time than slap a piece of horsehide with a stick. Get over here, Scully. Um, it's just sort of like a really feel-good, feel-good episode. Um, sort of sad too. Um, it's uh or hopeful maybe is the better word for it um yeah i've I've just always like loved how this episode looks um you know it's again i'm not uh i'm I'm always sucked into these baseball episodes even though i i don't like watch baseball or anything on tv um but something about it i think lends itself to this like magic idea i really like that um yeah, I don't know. This one's just like always stuck with me um, as a really cool looking one and a really like impactful one. Um, I want to say this is the first one Duchovny wrote and directed too. Yeah, 
uh, I didn't even realize until doing this list. Um, yeah, uh, very impressed with his work. Yeah. Yeah, I had this on my list of ones to rewatch and didn't get to it. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a really like it's a feel it's that kind of that classic baseball feel except X Files and that you know it's just a really nice combo. It's a very yeah. pleasant pleasant episode. Um, yeah. With with you like some, some with some things to say, obviously not like a, yeah 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 yeah. You do get some like funny moments too, and uh, you get a lot of the gray alien yeah um effect, uh costume which I just it, it looks I'd great love. The, yeah, the yeah. pract the practical effect, yeah, looks great. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm glad. I, I mean, I I haven't I don't remember enough about that one, um, but it it's such a cool, it's such a good. It kind of fits the postmodern Prometheus kind of vibe too, of like just a good kind of like yeah. making fun of the structure of the X Files itself episode. Uh, yeah. in a way or not yeah. even making fun of like having fun with yes yeah that's a good way to put it um okay so my number four is uh one that andrew already mentioned uh anasazi the blessing wow. way paperclip <laughs> oh, <gosh>. uh, <laughs> chris chris now has a total of 10 episodes AK- in his first Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> ancient alien. I called it. Uh, I was trying to figure out what these called. I, I called this uh, ancient New Mexico aliens. Like this, like story arc. Mm. Uh, so Andrew said a lot of a lot of stuff about it. Let me let me say some things that, about this uh, suite of episodes that I think it is kind of makes it bad. First of all, I actually hate how Mulder is in 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 this episode. I I kind of hate when Mulder is anything other than Mulder. Because I actually think that David Duchovny is a pretty bad actor. I think that he's a really good actor uh, when he's in his sweet spot because he's kind of doing himself. Um, and I think that his sweet spot is like as good as Humphrey Bogart's sweet spot. I think it's like perfect. Um, but whenever he tries to get outside of that, I find his like madness just like almost like high school like musical <laughs> uh kind of level um performance but it's kind of funny in that way too and the thing that i like about these three episodes that i ha- that kind of allowed me uh a feeling of freedom even like doing this list is that the mythology episodes though they're they're supposed to be serious are also very campy and whether that camp is intentional or not and whether or not camp needs to be intentional or not i think we can argue but there are some just like silly moments here too like for instance um you know that image as you guys both talked about of of the grays uh you know piled dead in the in the stock car uh is is memorable and haunting but they go twice to a flashback of them like running around scurrying as they're being gassed kind of like in in a very kind of holocausty like style that just feels both like over the top and kind of like culturally insensitive. Maybe that's overstating it, but it just feels silly. It feels campy almost like, um, 
the 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 whole stuff with the Navajo thing. I mean that image that you referred to, Andrew, when uh, Mulder is like in like is undergoing the ceremony. He's like covered in leaves or something, and he's ascended into heaven. And he and there's this shot of like him with a background of stars, and he's just like there. Like that is silly. It is a silly <laughs> image. Um, and I think that that's like part of. I've I've learned or I've forced myself to learn to like see that as like part of why I love this. I don't think that mm. that was necessarily intended to be silly, um, but it definitely watching the. I mean, I've seen Anasazi, you know, a bunch of times. It's one of the episodes I've seen the most because I love it, but it's also silly. You know, it takes itself very seriously and it is terrifying and it is memorable, but it's also silly. Um, yeah. Okay. Also. Uh, this I think this episode begins the string of like just totally inconceivable things happening to Mulder. He's in the train car when they put the bomb in it. There's no way that he doesn't die there. Um, and then he just goes on to continue to not die like seven more times, where like it's not even narratively plausible that he doesn't die. But I love it. Okay. Um. Yeah, wow, a lot of complaints for being at number four. Um, but <laughs> that's just my personality. I, it's just a shape of my. I, <laughs> Wait till you hear his number I, one. It's a just a giant <laughs> turd. <laughs> um, I I agree with the uh, like. How did Mulder escape the train car? Though I explained it to myself as there was like a back door to the train car, and like he escaped underground. You know, like as the explosion was happening or whatever um molder should have you know, died so many times in this show the tunnel <laughs> um yeah he yeah this is the first time that he like 100 percent. there's no question about it a bomb was dropped directly <laughs> into the, tr- the closed train car where he was and there's no explanation of how he didn't die that like this yeah. starts a new level of that yeah. Yeah. You know what else is kind of funny about it? I could swear that he had a like bullet wound in his chest. So it's almost like when they were healing him, like they were just making up a how oh, yeah. he got hurt. No, he got he gets <laughs> shot in beyond the sea. Ah. Uh, okay, that explains it. Then that's actually uh better continuity than <laughs> I would have expected yeah. uh very good um yeah great i mean great episodes again uh just you know i agree there's some goofiness to them but fast-paced action-packed well yeah love it uh well my number four the vince gilligan uh love fest continues this is Whoa. season five episode 12 and it's an episode, I think it's pretty, well, I think it's pretty beloved, uh, called Bad Blood. Um, this is Mulder and Scully try to explain their roles in a twisted killing that occurred while they were investigating a case in Texas. So this is pretty much like a he said, she said. Mulder and Scully are both retelling how they believe the case went down. There's these killings in Texas. Uh, which Mulder believes is a classic vampiric killing. Uh, you know, Scully, as she will, is a little more skeptical that it's that. 
they go to this kind of very rural Texas town called Cheney, where Luke Wilson is the sheriff. Uh, played just great, great uh, turn by Luke Wilson. Um, and it's it's a vampire episode, but it's really comical in the back and forth of like how Mulder saw events happening versus they'll just go over the whole story again with how Scully saw the events happening and the differences between their, their retellings. Uh, and it's just a good vampire episode. There's some really like great images, um, particularly how they animate the vampire's eyes, like this neon glowing green. Um, love, love this episode. It's, it's very funny. You really know your stuff, Dana. Dana? He never even knew your first name. You gonna interrupt me or what? No, go ahead. Dana. Anyway, that's when you had your big breakthrough. Whatever. Agent Scully, you really know your stuff. Sheriff, you say this man is exactly as you found him. Yes, sir, to the letter. Have you noticed that this man's shoes are untied? Yeah, they sure are. Mulder, what's your point? This means something. Sheriff, do you have an old cemetery in town off the beaten path? The creepier, the better. Uh, yeah. Take me there now. Mulder. Scully, we're gonna need a complete autopsy on this man. The sooner, the better. Whoa, 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 whoa. What am I even looking for? I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm glad to hear it's on a list. Um, it didn't quite make mine, but I was considering it. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very fun one. I like hearing both sides of their stories. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a classic <laughs> storytelling move, um, but it, it works really well in this episode and it is very funny. Yes, um, Scully's got a big crush on Luke Wilson, and, you know, and he looks pretty normal in her story, but when Duchovny tells it, he's got these, like, huge, false buck teeth. Um, just little little details that are fun. Yeah, totally. Very fun, epi- cool episode, and one of the ones where they, like, are interacting with people in another town, which, again, yeah, it was, like... Small town is great on X-Files. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many of those, but this one is particularly good. I think, really, the 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 Scully being into Luke Wilson's character does make it kind of a standout in the larger series because there's so many episodes where Mulder is flirting with some yokel and Scully gets jealous. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the few where that situation, one of the very few, maybe the only one where that situation is reversed, um, and uh. The other thing about the, this episode is uh, I think it fits that. Uh, oh, oh, it, it fits that kind of like Rashomon kind of like uh, quality. And it's yeah. like very interacting with genres in the way that I feel like postmodern Prometheus is. Uh, uh, the only thing I would take exception to and only not take exception to, but like qualify is like, it's not, of course, Scully is more skeptical because I think that like, Scully, you could definitely make the argument that Scully and, you know, X-Files heads know this, but that Scully is the believer of the two. That, like, it's actually Mulder who's the skeptic. Mm -hmm. 
who needs to see evidence over and over and over and over again before he can like really accept the truth whereas scully has you know whether it's her uh scully's faith has is shown in so many episodes like that scully is possesses the one thing that Mulder's actually after which is the capacity to have faith and uh uh so so that that's not true in a lot of like individual episodes but just in the larger picture that which which is what makes you know episodes like this cool and i think another reason that occurs is because and maybe you could argue this but i think naturally scully is more intelligent than uh, Mulder, meaning she has mm-hmm. when when something occurs she has a list of possibilities you know when when Mulder jumps to vampire she has like three things that it medically mm-hmm. could be and so she might appear to be uh the skeptic when in fact she's just like she's just doing the math uh where Mulder yeah, is yeah. having fun yeah <laughs> Yeah, she has the burden of like logical intelligence. Right. Whereas Mulder has the privilege of intuitive intelligence. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um so bad bad blood. Uh if you haven't seen that one, that's a that's a fun October, you know, kick it on some October night. Uh that that's a fun watch. Yeah, totally. It's great. Good pick. Very deserving. Sure. Uh number three. Uh, yeah, we've actually mentioned this already. The pilot. Oh, um, hey. I just Whoa. love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spe- like, I, uh, really like how it starts out with where we are, like, following Scully. So we're kind of being introduced to the show and to Mulder through her perspective. Yeah. Um, that just, like, feels really good. And it, really sets up Mulder nicely because like already he you feel like um you're meeting him for the first time with her like he's the total outsider Uh, from your point of view that scene where she walks into his office for the first time yes I've heard you've been sent here to spy on me uh it's just like it's so it's it's there right from the start you know what I mean that chemistry Yeah. yeah it's really unbelievable how quickly the show just like establishes what it is um without almost it almost seems like it's not trying yeah um but again like they really touch on everything to come in this episode like we get the shadowy government figures um chris mentioned the time skip i love that uh there's aliens involved but also like small town weird events happening um it's just so strong. It's really unbelievable. Um, and every time I start the series over, I, you know, there's a lot of series where when I, if I want to rewatch it, I might think uh, maybe I'll just skip the first few episodes or, or I just don't think about them as warmly as the rest. But this one, I love it. I look forward to rewatching it. Yeah, I think the second episode is Squeeze, though. So is that the second episode? So you can't skip that one. Uh, Deep Throat is the second one, which is also a great episode. Oh, Deep Throat. Yeah, which is, yeah, totally. Also great. The third one is Squeeze. Um, Uh, Okay, so my number three, uh, which, uh, you know, I I think 
I've talked with Joey for a long time about this. I've always been team mythology. He's always, a, always been team monster of the week. <laughs> I mean, I will concede to him that he's, I think, ultimately correct. We, we had the same kind of uh, um, debate in high school or in, in, I guess, our freshman year of college when we lived together um, about Bright Eyes and, and Elliot Smith. And I think in both of these cases, I have lost – I, I have the incorrect um, position. Elliot yeah, uh, Smith is superior to Connor Oberst. And I think the Monster of the Week episodes are superior to the uh, mythology. That being said, uh, my number three is a suite of episodes I call Gulag, North Dakota, which oh, consists no. of Piper, Maru, uh, and Apocrypha. That's season three, episode 15 and 16. And then Tunguska and uh, Terma, season four, episode eight and nine. So add four to my tally, Joey, because we're digging in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I fully support it. I didn't, I didn't expect the like, the like six episode sweeps, but I go off, man. Go nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's not cheating. I mean, these are my answers. I'm not trying to, uh, like, squeeze in more. Like, <laughs> it's here, t- I guess Tunguska is the is the center of this. Yeah. I had the much easier task here. I mean, Monster of the Week is a lot easier just to go, like, single. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if, if there is one image from the X-Files that, that, like, is buried in my unconscious... Uh, for whatever reason, and probably no reason, just like sheer randomness, it is Mulder in the Gulag. Mulder in the Gulag wow. s- captures it all for me. Mulder is in his own Gulag. He's in a Gulag of his own making uh, <laughs> most of the time, uh, which is you know something I, I struggle with and ask myself whether I am putting myself in a Gulag of mm-hmm. my own making from from time to time. Uh, but <clears throat> so, so the, the, the season three episodes, really, it's just about Crycheck and Crycheck ending up in a, in a missile silo left for dead, which is an amazing image. Uh, that might be image number two for me is Crycheck left in the missile silo left for certain death. He escapes as Crycheck, the cockroach will always do episode or sorry, image number three for me burned into my brain from the x-files uh which really is closer to number one than it is number two despite being number three is uh the do you guys remember i'm actually gonna ask if you guys remember this do you remember so so uh molder gets a tip um long story short he ends up in in tunguska uh in the former soviet union um and gets caught immediately and put in a gulag and gets experimented on with the black oil, which is, I think, one of the, I think, uh, maybe the main kind of terror, terror inducing thing is uh, in this, in, in, in this series is uh, in the mythology stuff is when someone gets the black oil in them and like Star Trek Wrath of Khan, the, the black oil turns into little insect looking things that crawl into your body and then your eyes do the black flash and you know that you're you're an alien now um so somehow first of all Mulder gets some sort of like non-active strain of this and he's fine but they 
pour this black oil over him in experimentation with all these other people who are being experimented on, ostensibly uh, with the hope of finding a cure. But this is at that point of the mythology where it's like Nazi scientists and Russian, uh, you know, in you know, evil Russian, you know, uh, aristocrats are are all kind of uh, doing cruel things to humans. It's kind of the most conservative, or it is the conservative political core of the X Files. But nonetheless, uh, the Mulder getting sent to the gulag and getting the messages from through the through his cell from from his neighbor uh and then do you guys remember the final scene with Krychek when he uh when you know it's also a buddy a buddy episode where him and Krychek are buddying up which is absolutely amazing but do you guys remember the last scene with Krychek um sitting in a chair what he's doing oh no i don't think so do you guys remember what happens to Krychek in this suite? Uh, not specifically. From the village kids? What the village kids do to him? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. No. So so basically so basically everyone's being experimented on. Uh Krychek kind of wiggles out of it by speaking Russian to the guards and convincing them that he's more important than he actually is, which is again, Krychek is so good at this. He's such a survivor. Um but when he escapes, uh, after Mulder escapes, and Mulder's escape, Mulder's in the gulag for like two minutes. He escapes like almost immediately in a MacGyver-esque, uh, like <laughs> campy, silly fashion. Um, but um, Krychek thinks he escapes. And another great thing about Krychek is he always gets away, but he only he always has to leave a part of himself behind. And this is the most literal of that. The villagers capture him, the villagers who have run away from the, the prison, and have all chopped off their arms to stop the spread of the virus uh, from their arms where they're like injected with this. Um, they cut off his arm and there's that amazing scene uh, where Krychek, Krychek is like speaking to this other Russian diplomat, but with his fake, his newly found fake arm, we don't know this is what happened to him, but now he's got a fake arm and he's dipping this like <laughs> ru- uh, Russian uh, metallic like tea holder into his tea with his fake arm. And it is just such an amazing image to me. I love it so much. Um, I vaguely remember that part uh, and these episodes really. Um, I remember like for some reason, Crycheck never like really connected with me. Um, but these are the, these are episodes oh that God. like, I remember him. Favorite. Great. I mean, I didn't expect that really. Um, I, I remember the gulags, but uh, it felt, it always felt kind of weird to me. Maybe because, like, Tung, the Tunguska and Terma ones, maybe it's because they're, like, right in the middle of a season. Um, it felt like, yeah, I don't know, just kind of a strange turn of events at that point. But, yeah, maybe I've just been writing them off and um, should pay more attention to them. Mulder at the gulag is it's over easily, the top it's it's so it's good though it is memorable it's uh i i enjoy it actually uh, of all the things this is one that like i this is the episode when i can't sleep at like 3 30 in the morning this is what i want to put on like this is wow. 
I don't know. Mulder in the gulags, like, is I have an intense attachment to for some reason. Cool. The other thing in this episode that I love, really, Tunguska is like the center of this, uh, is uh, another character I love and who I would argue is should be Mulder's true love is Marita Covarubias. Marita Covarubias, she's so cool. She's so, uh, she's the Judy, you know? She's like more experienced. She knows what's up. She has more access than pretty much any character in the show, but she's not, you know, the desperate for power and recognition uh, CGB spender smoking man. She's not the only out for herself cry check. She's not the crusader uh, uh, molder. She's not the intellect uh, scully. She's like just kind of holding it down, not fully good, not fully evil. And I think that she's the best possible romantic partner for Mulder because she doesn't, she, Mulder walks all over Scully. Mulder orders Scully around, but Marina Covarrubias has like a, a, a gravitas to her. And she has an awesome hypnotizing way of talking and the combination of those two. Uh, there, there's this really, I feel like pretty sexy scene where um, <laughs> Mulder shows up to her, finds her address in some database and shows up in the middle of the night. And there's like, lots that's unsaid there and and she kind of like is giving him all this information and really kind of helping him out but it's not clear why especially because we know that she kind of works for the syndicate or is at least involved in the syndicate but the other thing is the i love about this suite is the marita covarubias uh Duchovny, uh tension or at least relationship mm. but i yeah i don't know these episodes like um are not i guess they just didn't hit me as hard as some others i don't know i'll, I'll give them yeah they're chance. not they're not good <laughs> well i mean <laughs> they're just memorable yeah well i like that you have a, such a deep connection to them and it'll make me watch them differently next time uh my number three uh, it was not written by Vince Gilligan. It was written by uh, Chris Carter, um, Glenn Morgan, and James Wong. It's season four, episode two, and that would be Home. Uh, I know it's an episode that is, uh, I think, very popular then and has become less so over time. I did go back and rewatch it. I've, I loved it when I was a kid. I went back and watched it, and I think it's like as cinematic as ever. Um, so this episode is about, uh, you know, the description here is in a deceptively bucolic town, Mulder and Scully, uh, find evidence of an unspeakable crime. Um, and I remember this episode was like famous before it even aired because the word was Fox was nervous to air it. Uh, and, and eventually they came to the agreement that it would never air again besides the original airing. Um, because it was, you know, whatever, too scary or, uh, too disturbing. But, uh, I remember watching this at our friend Alan's house and, yeah. uh, being just totally floored by it. Uh, it plays out to me like a, like an actual like motion picture, um, 
it is a brutal episode, but it's also got some pretty dark, dark humor. It's like it's like a if Crybaby Lane was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> uh, it's you know I, I I know it gets some flack for like kind of the directions it goes, but um, you know I'll, I want to read this quote from Kim Manners, and Manners is like the X Files guy uh, as far as directing, and he said that um, he took the script. Well, Kim series- Manners is a dude. Yeah, Commanders is a guy. <laughs> oh my god, I never. I thought. Oh, okay, sorry. That's I, all right. <laughs> I always thought differently. Um, he said when he got the script that he took it as seriously as possible, believing that it was as classic a horror script as he was ever going to see. Um, despite this, he considered the shot of the baby's point of view as it was being buried the most awful shot of my career. Um, the director, as well as David Duchovny, later called the episode one of their favorites. Sherman and George were good boys. We should be proud. And you got to know, Edmund. You can't keep a peacock down. There'll be more. One day, there'll be more. Now we have to move on. Start a new family. One we'll be proud of. Find a new place to call ours. A new home. Um, so i don't know it's 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 a really divisive episode uh it is i think pretty creepy um you got the peacock family they're this kind of like uh incestual uh family but you also have this idyllic town that is resistant to change um you know, another quote, I, I was reading an article about it as I was kind of mulling it over. And I like this quote, which said, home is ultimately about small town America, how small town America is a myth, one that depends on ignoring a lot of grotesque horrors. The sheriff wants to believe that the modern world is what's corrupting his town, but the episode's monsters aren't outsiders. They're a local family, a prejudiced, disfigured inbreds who have lived in who have lived in home for generations, strangling their own bloodline to death because they refuse to adapt. Um, and I, I liked, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like a Twilight Zone in the fact that it's it's tackling some, you know, social commentary in a pretty, obviously, more gnarly way. Um, love home. It's dark, but not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great analysis. That's a great quote. Um, it's very objectively good. I think. I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Um, it plays out very well. Like, I, I really don't have any complaints about it, except that it's very hard to watch. Um, and I, I like the uh, Peacock Brothers. Like, <laughs> listening to, I think it's Frankie Valley. Maybe. Yeah. I, I can't remember. No. Oh my god. Um, yeah, that's pretty bizarre and like uh, it, uh, kind of uh, unnerving. Um, yeah, it's it's a very good episode. Uh, yeah, it's just tough, a tough one. Yeah. No, I'm I I love it. Great episode. Uh, I expected it to be on Joey's list. Uh, mm. It's great. I think I, I I like that quote that he read a lot. I think that that. 
can the males it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's get to the top two. Yeah. Um, yeah, these top two for me just like sort of had to be. These are just it, kind of. Um, so number two, I picked Dreamland 1 and 2. Um, this, These are the episodes where um, Mulder and Scully, like, w- out in the middle of nowhere, witness this uh, ship fly overhead, and something happens where he ends up switching um, bodies with this other uh, FBI agent who's Michael McKeon <laughs> and very like just kind of a brash and um, I don't even know how to describe him like just uh, a jerk kind of um, really outgoing and stuff um, just very different from Mulder and it just ends up resulting in a lot of uh, funny moments as they try to navigate each other's lives Um being very different um and uh i don't know it just like hits this perfect for me uh comedic tone while also being grounded like i mean the events that happen are um maybe hard to believe uh but it i feel like that's this is one of those things that x-files does really well is it always has this like um base of base in reality to some degree um and uh it has a lot of cool effects in this like in addition to them switching bodies there's other people are being affected by this by being like combined into other objects or people um with um and they do that in a really cool way um but uh fine i'm finally they end up switching back of course but uh (laughs) they're they're trying to like figure out how to get back to each other and then switch back is just like a series of um funny events uh i love michael mckeon like i think he's hilarious and um there's just like a lot of moments like he when he first opens uh Mulder's bedroom it's just like packed with crap he's like how does this guy live um and Mulder, like, uh, meanwhile, watching, like, adult videos at Michael McKean's house because he can't figure out what else to do. Um, this is just, uh, I don't know, it's one of those episodes that's, like, total joy for me to watch. And and there's even, like, some uh, kind of, like, a t- touching moments between Mulder and Scully as they're trying to, like, figure out how to get this back to normal. And... Um, there's one really great moment near the end where he's talking to Scully, like as if, you know, maybe this won't work out and he won't make it. And, uh, he gives her a handful of, uh, what do you call them? Um, sunflower seeds that he, of course, eats all the time. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, this just like, for me features all the feelings that I want to get out of X-Files, I guess. Um, I mean, it's a less serious pair of episodes, but it just is, to me, really satisfying. Yeah, I love these. I, I always think of the... Uh, I've been spending a lot of my evenings lately uh, going to sleep to 
I found a podcast stream of of Art Bell, Dreamland, mm. and Coast to Coast archives. So I've been listening to the Art Bell Dreamland uh, pretty much every night before I go to bed. Uh, and I, cool. I've always wondered, well, not always. I've often wondered if this title was taken from that Art Bell series, which yeah. does predate the episode, I believe. Um, also, yeah, just like you mentioned the sunflower seeds, like that's in Anasazi too. Like when he comes to, like they give him the gift yeah. of the, like the Navajo people in the ceremony, give him the sunflower seeds. Just like yeah, little moments like that. That's just small details that really, even though the Monster of the Week episodes are so good, like I love the the kind of return to small details that you get in the in the larger continuation like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems like these are the episodes where where you kind of get um, more. I don't know, like intimate moments with Mulder and Scully, or like between them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love. I this was like one of the last things I remember from the series loving. Um, I remember watching these as they aired and just thinking it was so much fun. Um, yeah, love love these two. Okay, my number two is uh, another suite of episodes. Uh, uh, Joey will be pleased. This is what I call the Max series, which includes Fallen Angel, which would be the main focus here, season one, episode 10. And then the two-parter, Tempest Fugit and Max. Uh, (laughs) Those are both uh, season four, episode 17 and 18. So first of all, returning to a character from season one in season four, love it. Uh, Max, until Gibson comes along, Max is the only non-Scully character that Mulder actually loves. Like Mulder loves Max. Mm. He represents everything that like Mulder feels like he's defending because he's so similar. Like he he meets Max, you know, similar to to um, it makes me think of Tunguska. The, this is like the minor the that first uh, season one episode ten. Fallen Angel is like the preface to Tunguska where again Mulder tries to infiltrate a place he shouldn't be going by ducking under some wires that's or some barbed wire which is exactly what he does in Tunguska he gets caught like he does in Tunguska he's situated next to a prisoner that kind of gives him more information about what he's doing like in Tunguska in this case it's Max uh, who it like holds the tension like that negative capability uh as good as anyone can uh where it it's it is this madness is this actual supernatural stuff going on we're not sure uh max is just such a great character Mulder loves max uh <laughs> it really i feel like helped them uh hit the stride for the mythology episodes i feel like Max was a great jumping off point for like the bigger kind of mythology stuff. Max, the kind of conspiracy uh, expert who like is more plugged in than Mulder. Um, just love the character, love what it did for the series. Love Max. How do you respond to these allegations, Agent Mulder? 
Over a dozen men lost their lives, and you want me to respond to issues of protocol? You failed to obtain proper authorization for your actions. Because I knew it wouldn't be forthcoming. You also violated a federal quarantine A cover-up was underway. Exposing yourself and possibly others to toxic contamination. Oh, toxic contamination. Are we back in that? You read my report. Explain the disappearance of Max Fennick. Your report is not the subject of this inquiry. I have further evidence to support my conclusions. X-rays taken while Mr. Fennick was institutionalized show an object lodged in his cerebellum. That is irrelevant, Agent Mulder. The man was abducted. We all know it. Everybody in this room knows it. Colonel Henderson's written testimony states that Fennig's body was found two hours later in a cargo container. Then what can I say? How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? That will be all, Mr. Mulder. <sighs> you can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Love Max. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very good episodes that I feel like I, again, have, like, semi-overlooked. I mean, or at least I didn't think about them when it came to making this for some reason. Um... But very good episodes. Uh, I he is a great character for Mulder, like especially with Mulder. Um, yeah, no, uh, like it, love it. Max is great. I'm I'm worried to do my number. I'm worried to do my number two because I feel like it'll be maybe someone's number one. And if you know what, if it is someone's number one, just feel free to jump in. I guess. Uh, but maybe not. So we'll, we'll see. So my number two is season three, episode four. It is an episode called Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Mm. Um, it's written That's my by one. Chris. That's your number one? Wow. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah, so this episode, uh, the description here is, while tracking a serial killer of fortune tellers, Mulder meets a man, played by the great Peter... Oil, he believes to be a genuine psychic, uh, and I think this is just like the a perfectly crafted X Files episode. It has every element: it has mystery, it has killing, it has uh, you know Mulder and Scully's back and forth. You have a great guest star. Um, there's really not a sour note to me in this whole thing. Uh, this episode did win two Emmys uh, for Peter Boyle and for Darren Morgan's writing, um, and I think I feel like this episode actually like I feel like this is Morgan kind of commenting on X Files. Uh, I like when I, I, of all the writers, he seems to be the one that leads lead leans into the absurdity because you know the show is I think despite our fandom, it's an, it's it's absurd on its surface. Uh, and it's not hard to take it. It's not hard to take it seriously, but it's just as easy, I think, to laugh at it. And Morgan, I think, in this episode, forces you to do both. Where like, it's a serious storyline, but you're also laughing um, at the absurdity of what's happening. Um, so, Chris, what do you think on Clyde? Yeah, that's why it's so good. I mean, that's why. That's exactly why it's so good. That 
it I, I would put it exactly like you put it. Like th it's a show that on one hand takes itself so seriously that it could be alienating <laughs> um, because it is invested. I mean, it, it's from all the historical research that they do. Uh, They're they like, this show is invested in the conspiracy theories that it traffics in. It believes them. It takes them seriously. It takes the, the paranormal very seriously. And on the other hand, it is also absurd. It makes fun of itself. Um, and nowhere is this tension best performed than in this episode, which is like an absolute ballet of writing, directing, acting, editing. It's perfect. Um, they're like, the, people should watch this in film school and film class. <laughs> this is as good of a, of a, media product as truly anything i've ever watched i think that like it it is just like absolute perfection yeah you remember the first time you foresaw someone's death 1959 what happened in 1959 buddy holly's plane crashed you prognosticated buddy holly's death oh god no why would i want to do that but i did have a ticket to see him perform the next night Actually, I was a bigger fan of the Big Bopper than Buddy Holly. Chantilly Lace, that was the song. I'm not following. The Big Bopper was not supposed to be on the plane with Buddy Holly. He won the seat from somebody else by flipping a coin for it. I'm still not following. Imagine all the things that had to occur, not only in his life, but in everybody else's arrange it so that on that particular night the big bopper would be in a position to live or die depending on a flipping coin i became so obsessed with that idea that i gradually became capable of seeing the specifics of everybody's death now mr bruckman i'm not one who readily believes in that kind of thing and if i was i still wouldn't believe that story i know it sounds crazy but i swear it's true I was a bigger fan of the Big Bopper than Buddy Holly. I like the episode a lot. Uh, I think the whole idea is very cool, the whole concept. Um, Peter Boyle's great. Uh, and it... This is like the type of thing that I feel like uh, other shows have a really hard time pulling off. Like, this is a really complicated idea and plot, but it all... Um, like come it's all just really well put together um yeah it's a very good episode it didn't make my list wow. um i thought this would be the one yeah, i thought this I, was the one yeah i don't have quite as uh like a deep personal connection to it as some of the other episodes i guess um i i mean i appreciate how very well done it is how good it is all around um yeah it's just one that i guess um didn't immediately connect with me as a kid or i didn't see it as a kid or something um and uh so some of these other just have a deeper a little deeper connection but very good very good episode well andrew you're number one uh 
yeah, uh, I don't think this will probably be a surprise, but uh, my number one is Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Ah, uh, yeah. I was going to be shocked if it wasn't on anyone's list. Not a surprise. Yeah. Um, this, I, I rewatched this episode today, um, and it's, for me, this, like, hits my, I guess, personal tastes and, um, I don't know, aesthetics, like, better than any other episode um i love just like everything about it i uh in this episode just to recap real quick um there's this author that's writing trying to write this book about um this abduction event uh in this small town of course um uh featuring this like kid and this girl he's like trying to figure out the truth of it and he's getting stories from different people like this another one like getting different perspectives and the story kind of um changing as the episode goes along like based on who's talking about what happened and um we uh get introduced to a lot of like really interesting characters that i love um the guy who's writing the story jose chung which it in itself uh like his name even is like uh kind of nod to what this episode is about amazing which is yeah which is like you just i don't know like the uh, the uh idea of like what's real what's the truth and like how is the truth and reality affected by how we see it and remember it and how like i don't know everything's kind of subjective um it it it's also like a really funny episode um, and hits on a lot of like the classic uh, conspiracy stuff um, has two different types of aliens at the beginning that I really love just this bizarre um, scene where two of the greys are talking to each other in English. And then this third, <laughs> even crazier uh, like Ray Harryhausen monster uh, comes down in another spaceship um it's just like got great effects great humor um the one of the characters uh the guy who is writing a script in his uh or it's it turns out it's a written in script format but it's supposedly true events um and he's he's reminiscent of uh whitley streber I think um, his ideas are kind of like similar and he sort of has that look to him. Um, and uh, we see the men in black who I love in this episode. It's just like uh, they're presented as he's like total, like these guys that are sent to totally confuse you and make you question what exactly is real and the truth again. Um, I just like for me this episode really brings together all the most interesting stuff to me about the show and about life maybe in general like um both like the unknown like what we can't know and um the way it kind of melds all of this stuff together uh 
is just done done in such like a precise way that it all feels good like it it's almost if i was just like reading what happened in the episode it would seem almost like a jumble of things but as it's playing out it's like this all makes sense in this like chaotic way um so i really i really just love this one seeking the truth about aliens means a perfunctory nine to five job to some for although agent diana lesky is noble of spirit and pure at heart she remains nevertheless a federal employee. As for her partner, Raynard Muldrake, a ticking time bomb of insanity, his quest into the unknown has so warped his psyche one shudders to think how he receives any pleasures from life. Christy Giorgio has come to believe her alien visitation was a message to improve the condition of her own world, and she has devoted herself to this goal wholeheartedly. Oh, it's you. What do you want? I just wanted to tell you I still love you. Love? Is that all you men think about? Then there are those who care not about extraterrestrials, searching for meaning in other human beings. Rare or lucky are those who find it. For although we may not be alone in the universe, in our own separate ways on this planet, we are all alone. Also, it's got... Uh perhaps the best uh voiceover by the author at the end of the episode um it's just a really great uh narration about like i don't know the nature of life here and on other planets and um you know what this all means um in your own life and all together um so anyway, this this episode does like everything that I love that X-Files does. Um, and there's also even moments of like creepiness in this episode with like uh, the Air Force pilot that uh, Mulder's talking to. Um, sorry, I'm going all over the place, but uh, there's also a scene that I, I just want to mention just because I love it, like where he's recounting the author is recounting. Mulder sitting in a diner eating piece after piece of pie and asking a different question to the guy behind oh, yeah. the diner every time. Uh, it, it, it's a great looking episode. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I think like other, I don't, I don't think anything else, any other shows that I've seen, like have tackled this kind of like complex these kind of complex ideas uh this well and like melded them together quite like this um i just yeah i just love this one yeah you have to have like pretty confident writers to do uh, not just this episode but like a lot of the episodes we're talking about you have to have a group of people who believe totally in what they're doing and know that they can pull it off it's it's a pretty incredible feat uh, this episode is like a real treat. It's I'd almost call it like the experimental X-Files. There's a couple 
that follow fall in that ring. I'd say there's like yeah. a list of five to ten, but I would probably put this at the top of like a truly experimental episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree that this is the pinnacle of that experimental. I kind of called them like uh, I forgot what I referred to them before, but postmodern Prometheus fits this too for me. So it yeah. kind of bookends Andrew's list well. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the only thing keeping this off my list is is its experimentalness that it is so stylized. But it is. Mm. Uh, I I mean, for me, Clyde Bruckman is still like more perfect but this is pretty close to perfect um it's really good kind of reminds me of like a borges story that i still have to get andrew to read because uh it's just so up his alley um but yeah perfect uh it's close to a perfect episode outside of clyde bruckman as you can get (laughs) and maybe a bigger feat because it is trying to it's doing so much um, and it, and like Andrew yeah. says, it does yeah. cohere so elegantly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, uh, just one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, amongst the many great images in this episode, uh, the smoking gray alien is just like I love that. Um, maybe one of my, maybe my favorite uh, image from the whole series. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a lot of from the whole series stuff that popped Damn. out. I mean, I there's something about that I just really love. I mean, the idea of it, the look of it, I just love it. It is, it is excellent. It is, it yeah, um, good number one. It reminds me that uh, what is that show called? Um, of that Wyatt Cenac show that I've tried to turn you guys on to. That's about uh. Mm about aliens where similar to this episode there are like multiple kinds of aliens and we're not sure what aliens are called the show's called people of earth it's great um it feels like it feels like a series that's kind of jumping off of the x-files for sure but particularly this episode of the x-files like we're not really sure what's going on there's a lot even though it's it's pretty straightforward anyway my number one it's already been said um as we know, uh, my favorite episode of X-Files is called Never Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> do you... Uh, do you, do you, Joey, do you I, know, do I know what your number one is. Do you want to say anything more on Clyde Bruckman, or should we move on? No, let's move on. I, I, okay. I think we can move on. I, I, know, I know you're number one, Joey, and it, and it deserves the attention it will get. Okay, do you, what do, what do you think it is? Epi- uh, season two, episode twenty. I I know what it is. You don't have to tell me what it is. You need to say it. Oh, okay. It's it's humbug. Do you want me to? Wow. Yeah, it's humbug. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So this episode is about Mulder and Scully traveling to Florida, uh, a town built and populated by circus and sideshow performers, to investigate the death of uh gerald the alligator man while searching for leads on the killer the agents come across many bizarre characters uh in the town um and you know to me like x x files is uh the exploration of 
oddities and you know i'm i'm here for that like my list i think if anything would say that i'm here for like the oddest corners mm. of x-files and i think no episode delivers that more than humbug uh it's pretty much everything i wanted out of an x-files rewatching it it's just got this really warm feel you can tell the actors are into it like Mulder and Scully are kind of thrilled to be in this little town with all these eccentric characters. Um, you know, the episode starts, they're at the alligator man's funeral and the funeral's just like a shit show. Um, and it's, it throws you kind of totally off kilter. Um, I, I know I noted rewatching. I was like, Oh, you know, this is going to be a good one when someone in the, uh, the, in the credits is, um, credited as the enigma that was like the person's name (laughs) (laughs) um it's a perfect fall episode again i think like if you want to just throw on a random x-files episode not know anything about x-files um humbug's a really fun place to start um it ends in a fun house which i mean come on you know like x-files in a fun house um and then learning i'm not going to spoil it but then learning why the killer is killing in this episode to me is so heartbreaking and tragic and kind of this beautiful end to the episode. Um, and, you know, I like that the sh- this episode also pokes fun at the relative uh, normality of who Mulder and Scully are, but also allows you to fall in love with those characters more because like us, they're, uh, struggling to see past the quote freak show of it all, but ultimately they can and do. Um, and yeah, Humbug's just a very lovely episode. It's, it's not scary. It's, it's just really fun. It's like, it's a romp. And, um, if I could suggest a double feature Humbug and then the documentary called Vernon, Florida, which is about a little town in Florida. Um, it's, they, they feel of a kind um, so I love Humbug. I could watch it any moment. Um, some great performances too in it. Yeah. I mean, I despite how weird our lists are, I would say with you know, all the confidence I can in my voice that our three number ones are the three best X-Files episodes. Like I feel very strongly that by any objective criteria, those Jose Chung, Clyde Bruckman, Humbug, those are the X-Files three best episodes. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go yeah, wrong. You're probably right. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, this is a great one. Uh, I love all the characters, of course. Um, it's And I like the tone that this one sets. Uh, it's really weird that it's like about a murderer, <laughs> yeah. but it's funny and like 
enjoyable and heartwarming at moments. Um, yeah, it's a really fun one. Um, I'm not even sure why I didn't include it. Uh, it's it's fun too because it's about a murder, but like nobody in they're there because they're the FBI, but nobody in town could care less about the murders, yeah, including yeah. the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's it's these two FBI agents just among these people who are like, all right, if you want to like look for it, you can. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the pay, man. the payoff is just, yeah, a ton of fun. Um, yeah, these are, these are great lists. I mean, I think, I think you're in, Andrew and Chris's list give people who are looking to really like map out the arc mythology, um, like a really nice guideline. And then anybody who wants yeah, to really like, you know, who is not ready to quite dig in yet uh, can like dig through some of my monster, uh, you know, one-off type stuff. Yeah. Um, I did pull up. Which are better. <laughs> they're easier. I think they're oh. just, they're just easier. That's yeah. All. I did want to say that um, one of the strengths of X-Files, I think is that the two different types of episodes, I feel like play really well off of each other when you're watching them in order yeah um just always feels like you're you never get sick of one type before it switches over to the other and it had to be exciting week to week in the 90s not knowing what you were gonna get yeah for sure um real fast i did note um david duchovny listed as one of his favorite episodes the host which is the fluker man episode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then Jillian Anderson did, uh, her top five, which I'll just go real fast. It's ice Mm. from season one humbug from season two, um, Jose Chung from season three, (laughs) the the postmodern Prometheus from season five and bad blood from season five. Oh, and also, uh, triangle from season six. Wow. It's yeah. a pretty good list. People love Triangle. I'm I don't not, get it. Yeah, I I don't really care for that one that much. But yeah, it's a little hokey. Um, should we do close calls? Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, Arcadia. Great. Mm-hmm. Just uh, another fun one. Like people are getting killed, but somehow, <laughs> just it's just fun seeing Mulder and Scully in this suburban neighborhood, and yeah. like especially Mulder um, trying to bring the monster out by like messing up things in his yard. Um, just pretty funny. Uh, also, got to mention uh, unusual suspects and three of a kind. Uh, these are the, I think, yes. like definitive kind of um, what do you call them? Lone Gunman episodes. Um, really Gunman, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also, just wanted to mention Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. Um, just a different type of episode, oh, yeah. but you really get to see into his life, and it's really interesting in multiple ways, I'll say. Um, and finally, I just wanted to shout out sunshine days as a uh late episode that is weird but i think like really um is really interesting uh i think 
you know, they just took a shot at that one. It's though I, I don't know if I, it's, it's one where, um, they get involved with, uh, uh, the Brady bunch. Hmm. Okay. I won't, I won't spoil it. Cause it's kind of fun, but that's it. Chris, close calls. Uh, my definitive close call is humbug. Um, cool. My shout outs, my, my, my next tier is postmodern Prometheus, Jose Chung. Those are like between those three. Any of those could be my close call. Obviously you guys love them. Um, the ones that you guys haven't mentioned that would be in my very, very short list are uh Die Hand, die Wurzet Lutz. <laughs> yeah. It's got a stupid title. That ju- it's the- You guys know what that is, though. That's the one with the, yeah. the satanic cult teacher thing. It's yeah. really yeah. great. And then uh, War of the Co- Coprophages, the, 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 yeah. the cockroach oh, one, yeah. which is another yeah. um, Good call. Uh, Darren uh, Morgan one, which is is very very good it's a little bit too campy the stuff with um bambi uh is awesome though like he, he she's kind of the perfect there's a lot of episodes where Mulder kind of falls in love with the small town investigator kind of person well she's not really a small town investigator but she kind of fits that structure and then she ends up kind of falling in love with the the wheelchair bound like stephen hawking uh esque uh yeah. robot yeah. insect <laughs> uh guy uh but it's it's just a really great episode it's almost just too creepy with the cockroaches to to make a list but um those would be my my shout outs and my close call yeah nice good ones yeah yeah uh my my definitive close call was on my list as i mentioned like 20 minutes prior to recording and i switched it for drive and that is and it's odd enough because chris you mentioned it in in connection which is beyond the sea um, uh-huh. which is, it get, you get a great performance, um, from Brad Dorif. Uh, you get, it's, it's centered around Scully losing her father. It's got, I think one of the most haunting yeah. intros to the series. Um, it's a really great episode. And I, I think kind of a kindred spirit to paper hearts, which also plays with like an inmate who yeah. can kind of control outside events. Um, both great episodes. Um, I also played around a little bit with Leonard Betts, um, which, by the way, oh, Leonard yeah. Betts was the highest viewed episode of the entire series. Almost 30 Whoa. million people watched that episode. Uh, nothing else even kind of comes close. Uh, must have been like a Super Bowl or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, I did, out of curiosity, look at the lowest rated episode, which was from season 11, the reboot. Season 11, episode 9, the second to last episode, which is called Nothing Lasts Forever. Um, so did yeah, 3 million cares? people. Yeah, 3 million people watch that one. <laughs> but but, but on the, uh, I, a few more, two more, uh, besides Leonard Betts, great episode. Monday, which is X-Files doing Groundhog Day. Um, it's a bank robbery episode, but some really great performances in it. It's pretty high, pretty high, a really good pace to it. And then of the new episodes, um, season 10, Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster, mm. um, which is a Darren Morgan episode. It has Kumail Najiani, Ray's Darby, who's really funny. Uh, you might know him from like Flight of the Concords. Um, it's a pretty, 
it's like a bad blood for the new era type episode. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty humorous. Um, so just a couple shout outs there. Should we, uh, should we do Ferguson? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is it. This, I, there's no possible worst episode, worse episode than this. Um, I'd like to see you guys try, but, uh, I'm calling Ferguson first person shooter. Absolutely. Um, it's a, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Season seven. I, um, I just recall like last time I watched through the series when i got to this episode it just felt like that's it this is they've hit a low point yeah it this is just unbelievably crappy and it's especially crazy because um it's a lone gunman episode yeah so i was like you know i'm ready for it to be great but um not only does uh the whole like concept not make any sense like like the way that the game is set up it is just it i know (laughs) x-files take some liberties you know it's like but i i have a big imagination i can accept things that seem like difficult to believe but in this case it's just like there's no logic to how they got inside the game in the end like it was just like a projection like how could they have ended up in there I don't know. Very bad. Uh, it just pushes my, um, you know, skepticism. Is this the one that William Gibson wrote? Yes. 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 Which is another problem is like William Gibson's very good, uh, neuromancer, great book. Um, so I would expect great things, but this is just so bad. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That, um, that image of uh, Mulder in the like sleeveless yes. leather armor with the sunglasses and the sword. <laughs> yes, that is it. Perfect. Perfect. It, it's it, like it sums up. Don't watch. Don't watch first person shooter. Google first person shooter and find that picture of Duchovny. And like you, you, you got it. You got everything you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a garbage episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's bad. just so bad. It's bad. And it's just, it's even worse because it comes off of such a good season, being season six. That I'm just like, how? Like, how did it fall this far in a dozen episodes? But yeah. Well, Chris, it doesn't sound like you have first person shooter. What do you have? <laughs> uh, also a season six episode, which is a good season, but to me, the worst mythology episode, or at least the point at which there's no returning from just like stupid mythology stuff which is the two-parter even my ferguson's a two-parter uh two fathers one son uh season six episodes 11 and 12 um (laughs) just bad we don't have to comment on it just this is like supposed to be the end of the uh syndicate and uh they just don't have a plan it's at this point where like if you're like really invested you realize that like all the stuff you've been investing in they've just been playing it by ear you know there's no larger vision 
um, it's it's soul crushing. Uh, so that's my Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's a good one. Um, yeah, it does feel like it puts. The I think it's when we learn that that uh, Mulder is is uh, smoking man's son too, which is also lame. Yeah, uh, just I I just found that to be unnecessary. Um, totally unnecessary. And I liked the stuff with Mulder's, like actual who I think of as his actual dad. Yeah, so, yeah. right. Yeah, Anasazi. Yeah. Um, shall we move to the brand new category of guilty pleasures? Let's do it. Can't wait for the, well, I'll just, the jingle. Yeah, give me some time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my guilty pleasure, I thought it was between two episodes, but finally decided on Hollywood AD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's the one it's where one. the X, X-Files becomes a movie. <laughs> um, it kind of like officially is becoming like a self-parody in this episode, so it's in that sense, it annoys me that it feels like, wow, they're really like, this is, it feels like the end. Um, but I, I do like the episode. Like I, it's an enjoyable one. It's funny. Um, what's, uh, Gary Shandling as, uh, <laughs> David Duchovny is pretty good. So good. Uh, what's and Leone or what's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Taya Leone. Yeah. Um, and there's this, uh, scene that's like, just it, it's kind of awful but it also is great um of uh Mulder Scully and Skinner all in the bathtub talking to each other on the phone on a split screen oh um, yeah iconic yeah so you know it's a li- it's like almost too goofy but it's still I like it yeah, I think that one walks the border. I think like it's actually pretty well liked, but it's also so goofy that it is a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I had a lot of them. My official pick is going to be season three, episode 14, uh, Grotesque. This is where... Uh, uh, it's definitely one of these like weird one-off bad baddish kind of like campy episodes um where uh the 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 main person is haunted by uh the sort of soul of a gargoyle um uh it's the gargoyle episode yeah <laughs> if you don't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of it as, uh, but it, but it's also like uh molder's we get some backstory on Mulder. It's not a mythology episode, but we get the backstory on Mulder of like his early kind of teacher who like is really hard on him, but actually kind of respects him, but also tries to frame him for murder. Um, we also, this is also arguably the horniest uh, X-Files episode <laughs> where Mulder just like truly uh, like almost more than Californication, like, what are you doing in the writer's room? 
I, I remember the uh, the 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 scene where again we've got a small town, like attractive like local detective, and Scully of course is jealous that Mulder is like paying attention more attention to her, and he shows up at her apartment, uh, and in this episode he's like drinking heavily throughout it. It's very weird. He shows up at her apartment and says, uh, like. I was hoping you could help me solve the mystery of the horny beast. And then uh, it turns out that then he like, then all this stuff happens and, and he like uh, is um, trying to abstain and being very, you know, puritanical about things. And then she, uh, the woman repeats that phrase and it's all cosmologically linked. And just in the most like moldery Californication moment, a fortune teller in this episode tells Mulder that, you know, because of his birthday, he's the exact center of the universe on this one day. And that's why all this stuff is happening to him. So it's, it's X-Files at it's most like Mulder solipsistic. It's X-Files at it's horniest. It's X-Files that it's like <laughs> silliest as just like a, an idea that, um, that you can make an episode about gargoyles. Uh, but I, I love it. It, it's a, I think it's a good guilty pleasure. Great Halloween Definitely. episode. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Very good guilty pleasure. Uh, it's it's one that I've like thought about, and every time I come up on it, I'm like, what is like? I feel like I should really like this, but there's so much, uh, yeah, weird about it. Um, good one. Good one. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to tell me if mine is whether you think it qualifies because i think it's well liked but it, uh, it's also a corny one uh mm. that would be season six episode six which is how the ghosts stole christmas yeah i can't believe uh it counts that's well liked. it counts okay. yeah oh for sure okay yeah, yeah uh, exactly yeah, i is, agree uh... i agree <laughs> it's a it's a you know it's a haunted house on christmas eve uh Mulder and scully walk in and the haunting begins courtesy of uh lily tomlin and ed asner uh it's a it's bonkers it's like a bonkers ghost story it's like that kind of good mix of i love creepy christmas stuff um, it's like a mixture of Halloween meets Christmas. And so if you're looking for something like that, how the ghosts stole Christmas is a very, um, it's like an easy, easy episode to watch. You know, you're trapped in a haunted house with some goofy ghosts and, uh, some, you know, some bizarre imagery, but, um, it's a fun one. Uh, the other one I was on the border on also was, um, the, the amazing Malini, um, Mm. which is the magician episode. Um, I, I just, I don't know why I love that episode so much, but it's, it's a, it's like X-Files meets clue a little bit. You're putting the mystery together, but uh, I'll, I'll go, yeah. I'll go how the ghost stole Christmas. Yeah. Good. Good one. Good. Uh, guilty pleasure. Um, I just want to mention, uh, I can't believe not can't believe, but like, I thought maybe for Ferguson, like pretty close for me was uh, Milagro. Hmm. Which one's um, that? I'm not sure it's a hated episode exactly. Uh, it's there's like a writer who's uh, c- 
committing murders like by writing them um and like he ends up ripping out his heart uh it it just like the idea of it it seems kind of cool like when i'm getting into it but it just doesn't work to me um it mostly follows the writer guy uh yeah i don't know if you guys are familiar it's uh not not a great one i don't think okay i did i did read that um Duchovny and anderson i guess say over and over again that they think um i don't know if i'm saying it right tesos dos bijos is the worst episode Hmm. it's a season three episode 18 so it revolves around like these archaeologists who discover a sacred burial urn and they awaken this like jaguar spirit it's like a cat sounds (laughs) badass (laughs) i I guess like when they do interviews they're always like oh that one's the worst um so uh, yeah uh, before before we wrap up, we did have two people submit. Of course, Brett Wilson, who did the art for cool. this episode. Uh, lovely yeah, art. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Chris, you got your Never Again art in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Uh, it's a great cover. I'm glad it was shared beforehand, so I kind of knew the mood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, his picks, number six, Small Potatoes. Great episode. Mm. Love it. Very fun. Yeah, very good one. Good. Um, episode five, the pilot. Or I'm sorry, number five, the pilot. Number yeah. four, humbug. Yep. Number number nice. three, uh, nice. Roland. Um, that's season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Season one with the really smart. He's like kind of the. Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Uh, number number two, the host. Um, that's that's a uh, Flukerman. Fan favorite. Oh yeah, 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 of course. And number one, nice. darkness falls. Wow! Whoa! It's a good episode. You didn't see it's that. Surprising. You didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, very cool. Yeah. That... Um. Yeah, it's a weird episode, but I. I mean, it. Uh, I don't know. It's not necessarily my favorite, but it's like very cool idea. Very. I, I like it. I like it as a pick. Cool. Cool. Uh, his honorable mention was Jose Chung's from Outer Space. Nice. It's a very fun episode punctuated by Charles Nelson Riley's uh, guest appearance. <laughs> Celebrity whom I've only known through reruns nice. of 70s match game shows. Yeah. Enjoyed the multiple yeah. retellings of the same incident. Uh, Ferguson for him was home. He said, Whoa. too gruesome of a concept for me to stomach. Considering I became an uncle at the end of 2020, the whole bearing dead baby scene triggers me to turn off the TV and walk away. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. But crybaby lane, folks. (laughs) We're all hooting and hollering (laughs) at crybaby lane. (laughs) Um, We did get one more list, one more list. And this is from um, a new... He's new to writing us, but he says he's been listening to us for two years. His name's Kale. Um, awesome. And he shared some stuff, which he asked me not to read. But one thing I am going to share that we found out is that Kale, Chris, this applies to you. Kale was at the Polaris show in Northampton that we went to in 2014. 
that's yeah very cool um yeah really crazy yeah he seems like a super awesome guy he was super into x files he which he mentioned in his letter so i told him please give us our give us uh his list yeah so here is his list um number six uh he says a small cheat dreamland part one and two um we get area 51 government plot mixed with body swapping michael mckeon nora dunn and classic marks brothers mirror gag sign me up um oh yeah number number five the unnatural i'm not a big baseball fan but i find that stories based around baseball work very well this is a fun period piece with some heart andrew plus there's some new best friend (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Uh, plus, there's some subtly biting social commentary, and aliens know that 1940s America overlooked black people so much that he could have lived could live a life in the open as a black man without getting too much attention. Number four, Bad Blood. Ooh. After oh, a case goes awry, streak continues. Streak is alive. <laughs> We see the Mulder versions of events and Scully's version. We see how Mulder and Scully see each other and get a bunch of character moments that don't exist in traditional episodes. Plus, Luke Wilson is awesome as the sheriff. Yeah. Um, number three, Humbug. Well, nice. Uh... It's funny, smart, shows affection for Scully, and takes a few pot shots at Mulder. The idea that being weird is the norm, and that being an Adonis superhero like Mulder is seen as a negative, really works for me. It's always cool to see Vincent Chevalli and Michael J. Anderson from Twin Peaks. Absolutely. Lots of Twin Peaks crossovers. I mean, we talked about uh, yeah. the... The Joey, you mentioned your your close call. That's a Twin Peaks crossover too, in terms of actors. yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart, smart casting. Um, no, number two is one we have not mentioned yet, which is Unusual Suspects, which is the lone gunman yeah. working together for the first time. We mentioned it. Oh, we did. Andrew, mentioned uh, it. I had it's a close call. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, forgot to mention. It, in terms of that episode, uh, something about uh, Fro Hickey um, and Langley working at competing uh, free cable hookups. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we could all agree, though, that Fro Hickey is the number one lone gun man. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's oh, the yeah. greatest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, he says, I love the lone gunman. It's great to see how they met and how they met Mulder. The episode was made while they were shooting the X-Files movie. So I doubted. Oh. Um, so it doubled as a way to bang out an episode without m- much Mulder or Scully involvement. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and he has the same number one as you, Andrew. Jose Chung's from Outer oh. Space. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, he uh, wow. he knows his ex. You guys need to get in contact. <laughs> yeah, we need a lunch date. Great. Let's set up a lunch date. I'm I'm telling you, the stuff he shared, he, he sounds like a awesome dude. He said this is an amazingly complex episode written by Darren Morgan, 
We get multiple types of aliens, Mr. X, Mulder touching himself while watching the Patterson Gimlin big <laughs> Bigfoot footage. Yes. Uh, and two yes. <laughs> and two awesome cameos that I won't spoil. It's rewatchable and impossible to truly solve. It's a spectacular episode of television. Oh, um, yeah. And then his close call wow. was wet wired. Um, this is a great pr- paranoia episode. Whoa. Everyone watches TV, but who knows how it's affecting your subconscious. His Ferguson, same as Brett, home. Whoa. I can see it. I think it's a fair Ferguson. I, I get loving it and I get not liking it. It was such a thing yeah. that you're going to, that it like invites polarity. Yeah. 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 He says, don't get me wrong, it's a great episode. It's my Fergus, Ferguson because I saw it during the premiere when I was eight in 1996. <laughs> it was the first episode that I ever saw, and it freaked me out so much that I didn't watch the show again until 2007. Wow. Yeah. And then okay. his guilty pleasure. Are you ready for this? Guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. First person shooter. Oh, <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> uh, he says he says the idea of being trapped in a game with a rogue character is cool, but it's a kind of clunk. It's kind of clunky, and I don't think the way they handled virtual reality was that engaging. However, it's got the lone gunman, a cameo from Michael Bauer, aka Donkey Lips, <laughs> and Jade Blue Afterglow turns and bites Knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> is this episode yeah, better yeah. than the uh are you afraid of the dark analog to it what's it called uh pinball wizard <laughs> yeah um i mean or yeah, I was, I even the computer wizard program one what's the computer program better, one? But... oh renegade oh. virus <laughs> Oh, yeah. Renegade I mean, virus, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was. That's thinking. a masterpiece compared <laughs> yeah, to this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This this has more in common with the tale of Laser Maze than uh, yeah. Those two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good uh, guilty pleasure, though. I mean, I oh, you know, it's guilty, you like all right. It, like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have to close close the blinds to watch that thing. um uh well uh truly enjoyable i think i think between all of us even though our list might not be correct they there's enough greatness there for i think anybody who's new to the show or looking to revisit to chew on yeah it's yeah, these were great lists. Three, the three um, lists together are perfect. Our lists individually flawed, three together, you know, it's an, an alchemical yeah. Yeah, uh, mingling. Like yeah. Yeah, like encompasses the whole series. You know, there's one thing uh, that has nothing to do with the series, but I heard recently on, um, I think it was on How Did This Get Made? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... They mentioned that the first uh, person up for the role of Neo in the Matrix was none other than David Duchovny. Oh my God! Of course, it's a perfect dodge dodge the bullet for for nineties mentality. Yeah, totally dodge the bullet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just thought that was funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
maybe they saw a first person shooter and they're like, you know what? Yeah, that was his <laughs> test. To see if he could handle it. <laughs> Except I think it came out after. Oh, okay. Which is even more egregious yeah. about first person shooter. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, well, uh, great to talk X Files finally, get it off our chests. Um, yeah. What's what's next? What's next up for Podtober, Andrew? Next time, big one. We're talking dark music, the tale of the dark music mm-hmm. versus the tale of Station One Hundred Nine Point One. Yeah. Um, two classics, I think. You got two in their own right. Yeah, you got two creepy music episodes. Damn. Yeah. And uh, I think two pretty well liked episodes, so that's always makes it a little more fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, our friend Brett Wilson will be uh, judging that one. Uh, he did some incredible artwork, he, as he has throughout the months, and as he has for the last, I think, three Podtober's. Um, so, yeah. just truly appreciative. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, like Kale did, uh, you can find us on Twitter at BOC Podcast, Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. Leave us a review. That's really helpful. Uh, and Chris, way out in New Mexico, uh, Mulder's, Mulder's country. Yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for That's joining right. us. Yeah, I'm just trying to live the Mulderian life that was promised to me, like, in seasons one through four and a half of the X-Files. That's really all I'm chasing. And I, that's Chris is just, like, sincere. looking for aban- abandoned trains. <laughs> yeah. More or less. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can awesome. get behind that. Um, well, we hope we see all you X Files, P H I L E S, next episode. Wow, you're getting better at that. Sorry, we can we can. Uh, oh, oh, we are recording. Sorry, yeah, we're about to go. About to go. All right. The truth is out there, gut buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the '90s Nickelodeon and X Files podcast, where we talk about. Oh wait, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the truth is out there, gut buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the. <laughs>
<laughs> Hold on. All right. <laughs>